Before this week's chapter begins, I'd just like to give a shout out and a thank you to JJ, KT and Katie McGee, who've all donated to my coffee fund. If you're enjoying the Marcus Marcus story, please feel free to add a coffee donation. Check out ko-fi.com forward slash Rab Fulton. Okay, here's the chapter. Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 33 The Blood Spattered Stave I was floating in blackness without fear or care, my thoughts as uninvolved as an embryo enclosed in the dark wonder of the womb. Then I saw two pinpricks of light that expanded into great fiery globes the twin stars, Firna and Tiene. I floated before them, dimly aware of my own minuteness. Then the stars began to talk, their words blasting into me with all the power and volume of a solar storm. I was thrown backwards with such ferocity that Firna and Tiene quickly shrank away from me, turning into the merest blazing dots before vanishing completely. I was in blackness again, but for a moment I could still hear the faint sound of the star's blethers. Strangely enough, each star's voice was familiar to me. On the cusp of non-thinking, non-beingness, I realised one of the star's had spoken with Iftek's voice, the other with Talab's. The realisation aroused no curiosity in me, and I slipped momentarily back into absolute blackness. When I awoke, I felt groggy, my eyes hot and itchy, my mood irritable. I needed more sleep, but part of my mind was scratching at the memory of that solitary dream. I was convinced that I had heard Ifdek and Talav arguing about something. I sat up in the narrow bed, rubbed my face, the skin of my hand dry and rasping. My shoulder twinged as I moved my arm. 
My mood grew darker. I needed sleep, but it was not going to happen. The bickering of my vizier and the commander of the sage and wolfcraft, wee scunner, had shredded my slumber. I heaved my aching body off the narrow bed, looked up the length of the narrow room. Beyond the bed was Talav's cramped and dimly lit living area. I walked groggily into this space, running my hand along the wall, failing to find a light switch. I want more fucking light, I growled, and lo, there was light. Light enough to make my eyes water. Dimmer, I said, and the voice activated control mechanism duly dulled the glare. Stop, I declared, when the light was just about fine for me. Curiosity was now vying with irritation. I noticed a small alcove in the wall to my right. Inside was a portrait of the Queen of the Universe, her hair embossed with rare jewels and precious stones. Either side of the painting was a small figurine, one I knew to be Space, the Queen's wayward consort. The other was a female deity I did not immediately recognise. She was smiling, whoever she was, a wicked, gorgeous smile, whilst casting a furtive glance at Space. Ah, I thought. This must be Espeth, goddess of strong liqueur and illicit assignations, who was known to keep a bloodshot and bloody eye on spacefarers, as well as women in labour, cobblers and family pets. She was also reputed to have a talent for making space feel generous and charitable. On the floor, immediately below the alcove, lay a large wooden stave. It was about five feet long. The dark wood tapered from one end that it was as broad and knobbly as a fat fist to the other, which is only the width of two fingers. I knelt, my hips creaking with pain and picked the stave up. The wood, already dark with age, had darker, almost black splotches at the thick end. One of the dark splotches had a pale fleck stuck to it. Stars! I hissed in horror as an image flashed before me. Talav! swinging the stave like a club. Blood and skin spattering, a body curled up and whimpering. With a shudder of revulsion, I dropped the stave. Just as quickly, I mumbled an apology to the goddess, Espeth. I had no doubt the stave had been used on the auger Bramlant. How else was a curse to be cracked except by breaking the body of the cursor? And at the beating, 
had been dedicated to the goddess best able to mitigate the curse's power. The stave had then been given an offering to the small shrine in Talav's room, placed carefully before the divinities, only to have my clumsy hands touch, fumble and drop it. Fearing divine censure, I bent again to straighten up the long blood-stained piece of wood. Then still kneeling, gave a more fulsome apology to Espeth, and likewise to the Queen of the Universe and her consort. Having finished praying and pleading my case to the divinities, I made my way over to a small sofa and sat down. Beside the sofa was a little table, on top of which rested two flasks, a spoon and a small card. On the card was written a brief note. Your Excellency, here is food and drink, Talav. The first flask I opened contained scalding black bitter scented coffee. The other contained a thick stew. I cautiously tried a small amount and smiled. The stew was warm and thick with vegetables flavoured with coriander and fennel. It was a meal to be savoured, but I gulped it down in big hungry mouthfuls, my irritation fading with every swallow. Full-bellied, I took a sip of the coffee and only then remembered the imminent threat to my life. I sniffed the coffee, then looked at the flask that had held the stew. Paranoia flickered and fled. If I had been poisoned, what of it? It was too late to worry now. I smiled, took another deep gulp of coffee. There I sat, half dwarmed from lack of sleep, half sparking from the rush of caffeine. My drowsy consciousness put up no resistance to the thoughts that tumbled and spat from synapse to synapse. Looking at the blood-smeared stave, my thoughts flipped sideways to recollect my travels through the Demos Empire and one particular peculiarity of the Demos culture. All Demos stories, whether in books, on screen or in a theatre, like any form of subtlety. Plot developments do not gradually unfold. All clues are glaring and red herrings non-existent. Significant characters are introduced immediately and significantly. Endings are always complete and polished and resolved absolutely with no ambiguities. When I lived in Demos, there was a new and fast-catching fad for wearing visors that flashed up words to further enhance an individual's understanding of the story unfolding before them. Simple phrases like, Watch this person! Or, The blood-stained pot is a clue! Or, Remember, the wife is buried under the new spaceport! 
removed any lingering doubts. Then recollection and vision momentarily meshed as, snapping back to wakefulness, I for a moment saw words flashing garish neon green and yellow before me. The stave is very important. I blinked. The words vanished. I rubbed my eyes, managed to focus on the stave. Of course it was important. It had been used to beat a man's bones into broken pulp. Yet I was certain now there was another darker narrative caught in the dried blood and flecks of flesh. for listening to this latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and Hurting Heart. Stay tuned for future chapters and mind tell your friends and relations and ancient enemies about the podcast. If you want to know more about my work, you can follow me on rabfultonstories.weebly.com My Instagram is at Celtic Tales Galway and my Twitter is at Havering Rab.